Welcome to the Senior Story Hour, where we share poems, stories, observations of life, written by the Franklin Senior Center Writers Group. I'm Peter Jay. Today with me, Al Larkin. Al, good to have you with us, helping me drive this bus. <laughs> Great to be here, uh, co-piloting uh, as best I can. I'm Al Larkin. Who else is with us today? Let's go around the room. Steve Sherlock's here. Alice Judge. Pat Winiarski. So, Al, yeah. let's start off with a real treat. I say that we jump right in and hear what Pat has to say. All right, Pat, what do you got? Thank you. The rains of summer. Summer rain spawns with aromatic clarity, a fresh and refreshing earthiness as delicate raindrops fill the moist air while gently kissing the parched grass. A velvety, misty fog veils lush trees with serenity, absorbing the soft and blissful petrichor. Man is rejuvenated. His soul delights in the beauty and grace of the quietude. Wow, that's wonderful. Wow. After Ooh. that nice rain we had last night, that's very fitting. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> One of the things that you do is you make your stuff very visual. That's great. Conjures the mind. Yes. Yeah. Thank you very much. I'm sorry I have to leave, but I must. Thank you. Okay, moving on. From summer rains to what, Al? What do you think? See, Alice, are you ready? Yes, I'm ready. All right, let's go. And Alice, we are ready for you. Okay. I've written something here, uh, the title of which uh, is Dream or Nightmare. Last night I had a terrible dream. It was so vivid, it scared me. Have you ever had that happen? Upon waking, I quickly got into the shower, washed my hair, figuring the feeling of impending doom would leave me. It was a little less after breakfast. I got dressed, put on my makeup, and was ready for the day. After walking my dog, Jim, I got into the car to go downtown and do some errands. Passing my drugstore, I remembered the prescription they had waiting for me. I swung to the drive-thru. The window in front of the drive-thru had a shield between me and the woman dispensing medicines. It was a hot day in July. Why would that be? And then I saw the woman in the window. She had a mask around her face. I was having a deja vu moment. I had seen that in my dream or nightmare as I was calling it now. I never liked sci-fi, but my dream resembled that kind of movie. So when I awoke that day, the night had seemed surreal. Why would I dream sci-fi and why was I experiencing it now? I thought back to my dinner last evening. Had I eaten something strange to provoke my sci-fi experience? But this wasn't a dream. The woman behind the glass thrust a wicker basket toward me containing my prescription. I put my visa card in to pay. When the drugstore person returned the card, she suggested I get a mask before going any further in my day. I was wearing a mask in my dream. To say I was nervous when I pulled into the grocery store parking lot would be an understatement. 
when I entered and pulled a car towards me, a man I recognized as working in the produce aisle handed me a mask and told me I wouldn't be able to go into the store without one. I promptly did as I was told and the produce man nodded his approval. Am I still dreaming? But no, everyone in the store had a mask, even the cashiers and bag boy. After shopping, I decided to go for my binge food tacos. Once there, I went through the drive-thru. A glass petition was at that window. I paid when the cashier passed me a big mug where I gave her my cash. She returned my change and same. My tacos were neatly wrapped in a brown bag with a sticker sealing it. Neat. Once home, I ate and checked my iPhone. My daughter was checking in to see how I was. I didn't dare tell her what I had encountered that morning in case she thought it was time to put me away. <laughs> she said that she would come over with the kids to drop me off some toilet paper. How did she know I didn't have any? Because of a run on, of a run on same at the grocery store. My daughter said I was to meet her outside in a mask and I wouldn't be able to hug or kiss her or my two grandchildren. Have I lost my mind? I was a senior citizen after all. After my family left the night, their faces were grim and they shot off the numbers of people in the thousands, millions, including European countries, China, Australia, actually the whole world that were, was dying from a virus. People all over the world were told to stay home. People couldn't go to work. School for children was by remote on computers. Stores closed. Some opened for decades, closed for good. Nobody could go into restaurants. People were unemployed. TV started posting positive messages across the screen because of commercials to keep people's spirits up. That was good, I suppose. I tried to remember what caused this terrible turn of events in my nightmare. I couldn't remember as each day passed with the news worse than the day before. Then I remembered. It was named a pandemic in my nightmare. Some people in the note just called it what it was, a deadly virus or COVID-19. I became used to standing six feet apart. I couldn't see my children or grandchildren except outdoors. What will happen when winter comes? People were on un unemployment. The news showed all the lines. Charities were dispensing food to families like they did in the Great Depression. In all the chaos though, I saw more and more people making funny videos to keep others laughing. Authorities were on the tube telling us how to stay positive. My heart was warmed when I saw families actually playing together, dancing together, playing games together. I heard of one dog that was so overjoyed his master was home. He continually wagged his tail so much that its owner had to take it to the vet and the dog had a cone around its tail. How wonderful that in this health mess, there are people and dogs that are saying, we're not giving up. 
life is bad now, but tomorrow might be better. I hear the American spirit coming through. It's more powerful than any health issue. What can I do? I'm going to bed now and hoping that my nightmare will turn into a dream and it will tell me how this is going to end. You covered the whole gamut there, Alice. Wow. Listen, that does sum it up, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. From the very beginning, I thought it was like a sci-fi type of thing, (laughs) you know, because I couldn't imagine that in 2020 this would happen. So um, Exactly. Interestingly enough, Alice, your theme is art imitating art. That is, not only is your art imitating life, but someone actually created a very realistic sci-fi movie about a decade ago called Pandemic. Really? It is available streaming through Netflix and other sources. Mm -hmm. I watched it about a month ago. It feels like a training film. (laughs) Wow. I bet a lot of people that know about it are uh, really um, watching it. It was remarkably prescient and remarkably accurate. Wow. Uh, And uh, although we probably don't need to be scared any further than perhaps we already are, I still recommend it as an object lesson. Uh, And it's very, very well done, by the way. I think, Al, what we do is, I'm, I'm thinking Steve Sherlock. Are you thinking Steve Sherlock? Steve would be a very good choice at this time. <laughs> so then I say we make that choice. We oh, make okay. that choice together. You and me, together again, Al, making that choice for Steve. I don't have much choice then, do I? <laughs> no, you don't. Sherku, calculate. If we knew how much rain a leaf could hold before it tips to let it all go. If we knew how much rain a leaf could hold before it tips to let it all go. And a couple of weeks ago, I managed to uh, join the Memory Cafe virtually at the Senior Center and I recorded it. Ariel just approved the recording, so I'll be sharing it and people will be able to listen to it. Uh Um, But this was composed on a reflection of that. While dancing, stopped to take his pills and glass of milk, then continued right in time. While dancing, stopped to take his pills and glass of milk, then continued right in time. And then the final one today, Shirku, fear not. And not in this case, because it's a little bit of a pun, is spelt K-N-O-T. Fear not. I wake fearful. Take a breath. Realize it is a new day. We can do this. I wake fearful. Take a breath. Realize it is a new day. We can do this. Nice. Very nice. Boy. The mastery of the great Shirku is its tautness. Love those. That's great. Very clever. Hmm. Stephen, do you prefer? I'm sorry. Stephen, okay. do you prefer poetry? Are you a poet? I, I probably would define myself as a poet first, but certainly I express in a multitude of ways. Yeah. Um, I do write personally some long form, which you've heard 
I tend to do a lot of journalistic writing, you know, citizen journalism writing, which there's not a whole lot of me in there deliberately. So I do use the poetry and some other pieces to get out. And then as you've heard, um, a lot of my creative pieces really is in the interviews and the recordings. And, you know, so it's not so much me, but just trying to present what's happening Uh either in the conversation Mm -hmm. or in the meeting so that people can hear and then absorb and do what they need to do with it. But I probably would go poet first. Yeah. It's more all inclusive. Mm -hmm. Al, I'm going to take a back seat and let you have at it. All right. Thank you. So this has to do with information and those who have it and what they do with it. Truth to power. From the beginning, people search for the truth of many unknown things, such as the meaning of life. The quest for answers to many questions continues to be met and remet as knowledge and wisdom develops. Not unlike an onion with skins peeled away, revealing another surface of understanding. We have the benefit of past great thinkers of philosophy, science, and the spiritual up to the present. They, in their own needs, search for answers that have enlightened us as well as themselves. In all of these pursuits, we have some of the truth, but not always the whole of it. Well, the search for what's real and true is ongoing. Information is power, and some people have both. In the days of the Roman Empire, we have the Redeemer revealing to Governor Pilate that his purpose was to testify to the truth. To which Pilate asked, what is truth? All the while, Pilate was really just fixated on trying to survive at the position of authority he held. He said to the one handed over, do you not know that I have the power to release or crucify you? He was reminded then that he would have no power over him unless it had been given to him from above. We have politicians today given power and responsibility focused on getting reelected by denying the truth of this pandemic without regard for the needs of the people, not doing the just and right thing as required and promised in their oath to the Constitution. They selfishly choose to ignore or denigrate reputable science. There is a movie scene of a military trial of a feisty Marine officer portrayed by Jack Nicholson as defendant. He is challenged by the prosecutor, played by Tom Cruise, who pressed the defendant to admit he gave an unlawful order to his subordinates. When the prosecutor demanded, I want the truth, the response from the defendant was, you can't handle the truth. In other words, you won't like the truth, which is the agenda I choose to follow. Under further pressure, the steamy Marine leader was yelled at by the prosecutor who bellowed, did you give the order? Seething, the officer replied with gusto and frustration, you're damn right I did. He was arrested for that admission and led away. The truth can be hard to come by 
it must be wrung out of some people. Billy Joel has a love song called Honesty. The song is a plea for truth, reflected in the chorus. Honesty is such a lonely word. Everyone is so untrue. Honesty is hardly ever heard. Mostly what I need from you. We could use that in any and all of our relationships. It would uh, especially be a relief in this time of the pandemic to hear with one voice reliable information, royal of politics, to guide us through to the end we're hoping for. Irresponsible leaders are spinning lies, blame, and chaos by denial of the evil with the see no, hear no, speak no COVID-19 in order to get reelected and avoid responsibility for the suffering, death, and grief we are all witnessing. Dr. Fauci is like a modern day prophet, giving us the bad news about this disease and what we must do to avoid it and how not to make it worse. For his efforts, he is castigated and even getting threats, short of stoning. Some people in our country are living in an alternative universe to the truth. There are unfortunately too many among us across the country short on discipline, locking out the truth they don't want to hear with hands on ears, Charlie Brown style, hearing all only wah, 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 going on with selfish wants, with no regard for others. I would be surprised if honesty isn't the very thing we need in all our relationships, especially with those in authority. When honesty is prevalent, trust develops in a way that allows truth to prevail to the greatest degree. That's when each one of us can act in truth and harmony with a measure of trust. Trust and verify, that is. Being candid and expressing our thoughts requires an atmosphere where trust is given and ideas are listened to without getting labeled as this or that, accepting us for just who we are. When this happens, diverse values are shared openly for consideration and if sensible, may even be adopted by others as reasonable. Can there be more than one truth? Or it is, a, is it a collective of many versions of the truth which helps us to form an understanding where we can all agree with a measure of harmony and trust in the facts? Truth, do we want it? Of course. Can we handle it? Yes. Whenever we show tolerance, do we hear it? Yes. If we're open to it and listen well, the truth will set us free. Mm, very good. Well done. Well done, Al. Thank you. Al, after that whole thing, all I can say is you touched on almost everything. And as the adult in the room, what I heard was... <laughs> I should have learned that one. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> But no, you touched on all of Billy Joel, you touched on Reagan, you touched on current administration, you touched on uh, the great Tom Cruise film, all of it. 
And uh, as a recurring theme, the great romp, I have been um, having a number of email exchanges uh, with respect to the process of creativity. In another uh, Zoom discussion a little while back, Steve had the opportunity to meet one of my mentors, a gentleman by the name of David Lyman. Uh, David and I taught together for many years about filmmaking and the creative process. David focused specifically on that. Um, and uh, he wrote a book about it, which I think is uh, a very interesting take. Um, we're revisiting that book for a major update. So he and I are going back and forth uh, about what to do. And it isn't just about the idea of coming up with an idea. It's what do you do with it and how do you take that idea forward to its full realization? So what I've done here, uh, given that we've been writing extensively back and forth, I've excerpted a few of the emails that go back and forth between us. We're at a point where David and I are talking and emailing and Zooming about uh, all of the people who influence an idea and the role that they play. Uh, and I then responded afterwards uh, with an email where I start. I see a missing player to consider in the creative process. We discussed creators as being a mix of instigators, doers, finishers. I introduce for your consideration the reactor. While all across your description of the creative process, you incorporate feedback from vetted advisors, there are those who are reactors, oftentimes detractors. However, reactors are significant in that they provide a visceral response to a concept. It's a gut reaction. And it indicates two things, the value of the concept and your ability to know it and explain it clearly. They immediately get it or not, or they dismiss it for a myriad of reasons, but those reasons aren't actual reasons. They're just feelings. David writes back, Buried in the section on the process spiral is the devil's advocate, the naysayer who confronts you as the dreamer and instigator, pointing out the flaws in your ideas, shortcomings, inabilities, lack of resources. However, the devil's advocate is not there to stop you. They are a necessary part of the process, challenging you with a wake-up call to watch for the obstacles ahead. Are you sure you want this to go out the door? The thing appears to be missing something important. Is this the reactor? that you mentioned. I'll write back and say, I'm differentiating the naysayer as a general class. There are those true non-believers who dismiss your thoughts and ambitions out of hand. Usually no reasoning, but driven by emotional reaction and other irrelevant issues. The devil's advocate is a different beast altogether. Consider the venture capitalist. VC meetings are all about finding the weaknesses in a potential idea or enterprise. If they're going to invest, it will be with the intent of increasing the effort's valuation tenfold in three years, and then exiting at a hefty profit. Although they challenge you, they're trying to move you toward a win. Then there are the trusted, familiar advisors, confidants, those who know you, understand your goals. Perhaps they are in allied fields, and you can discuss matters in the shorthand of a professional peer. The best among these advisors also understand the collaborative value of an engaged muse as a sounding board. In sum, 
qualify the motives of others from whom you seek advice. David writes back, so I would then lump reactors along with heroes you meet along the way. These include teachers, mentors, a pal or buddy, etc., who tags along on your adventure. Butch and Sundance, Pancho and Cisco, the Lone Ranger and Tonto. You find these lingering in the chapter in Heroes. Perhaps a bit more descriptive text about these characters is what I need to work on. I wrote back the next day, here's one to consider. What does it take to be a professional muse? The role is not far from Butch, Sundance, Pancho, Cisco, the Lone Ranger, and Tonto. When I worked at Abbott, I was market research head for a small inner circle of elite researchers. We were Avid's advanced development group. We lived and worked three to five years ahead of the rest of the company, and our charter was to apply emerging technologies in the media world, create new products, new ways of working digitally. As a muse, how do I help someone walk away with, as a muse, how do I help someone walk away from a casual corridor conversation feeling 20 minutes smarter? If you patent an incomplete idea, someone else can refine it, create a better product than yours. This is a legal challenge to test the limits of tunnel vision of your early thinking and push to define all the ways that your idea can be realized in its ultimate form. When you think you're done, you're usually not done. After that first flash of insight, how do I help someone get from Eureka to done? Such is the essential work of the professional muse as a quiet fomenter of authorship and creativity. While musing often happens alone, quietly, in silence, it can also be a rare collaborative process. Butch and Sundance, Pancho Sisko, The Lone Ranger and Tonto, who was a muse for whom? The answer is often symbiotic, bilateral. And David writes back, ah, the creative team. My book addresses the individual, but you've raised the notion that an individual may have an abstract team. And I said, yes, creative teams. At Hill Holiday Advertising, they used to perform a faux marriage ceremony between the art director and the copywriter as a tightly coupled creative duo. The tenet was simple. Encourage writers to think more visually. Encourage the art directors to think more narratively. More mutual cross-appreciation for the work of your partner in crime. There's that old joke, friends help you move, real friends help you move the body. Perhaps even closer friends help you move your ideas forward. Anyway, that's an excerpt from what has been an ongoing dialogue uh, that's considerably longer as we work on his book. Since he has taught on the subject for a number of years, he has a very deep knowledge base here that I think runs uh, far far longer than what you tend to see in articles. So I'm hoping that he'll actually manage to get it to press. Anyway, that's it for the week. That was a great exchange. Thank you. And um, I concur that there is that collaboration team, cooperative team, uh, the synergy, the uh, spark that happens is unpredictable in many cases. And it's just some of the outcomes are just astronomical. <laughs> Absolutely. Once again, we've succeeded. Once again, we declare victory. Thanks for being with us here on Senior Story Hour. Until the next time, I'm Peter J. 
Remember, be they laced with gravity, levity, wisdom, or whimsy, the meaning experiences of life become a little larger when you share them, when you take a moment to commit pen to paper and just write. This is FPR, Franklin Public Radio.